0: Hello and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio. Your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. And this will be the final podcast that has to do with playoff basketball as the Toronto Raptors defeat the Golden State Warriors 114 to 110 in game six on the road in the final game at Oracle to capture their first NBA championship. And what a game it was! Just a spectacular game. the The atmosphere was unbelievable. I was actually in a uh, an Airbnb, sitting on the couch uh, watching with some friends, uh, right above Jurassic Park, and you can just kind of hear the energy with each bucket going outside to check during uh, commercial breaks, and you could just you could just feel that this this was a a, a game that really captured what the nba finals is all about in terms of its energy in terms of every possession meaning something in terms of going all out balls to the wall it was just an unbelievable game and all the more reason for us to dive into it and get into it quarter by quarter here so again warrior starters steph curry clay thompson andre goddala draymond green Kevon looney and the raptor starters kyle lowry danny green kawhi leonard pascal siakam and marcus all So right away, you could tell that the Warriors' strategy was to absolutely switch everything, try to blow up all these Toronto actions. We talked in the past about how their pick and roll was really carving up Golden State, and the way they wanted to combat that was they were just going to switch it. And so, this played right into the hands in the start of the first quarter of Kyle Lowry, as Kyle Lowry just came out absolutely firing and he went to work so, the first bucket he got was a layup off a switch on Looney. He went right to the rim, uh, threw, threw it up and in off uh, the right hand. The second bucket was a three after the, the switch occurred with Golden State. Looney's uh, kind of trailing Kyle Lowry under the basket, and then he relocates out to the left or to the right wing and knocks it down <coughs> off the relocation three. And then the third bucket. Um, was another switch but this time Draymond switching the pick and roll and basically Draymond was just a step back uh, too far and Kyle Lowry just hits it on his head and he had all 11 points did Kyle Lowry to start the game and then Kyle Lowry's last three was a nice pullback move on Steph Curry uh, at the top of the three-point line and just knocks it on his head so he, Kyle Lowry four four to start all 11 points for Toronto on, on the Golden State side, they got the first 10 points, really driving to the rim, finishing and getting free throws. There was not much attempt to jack up threes from Golden State to start this game. Uh, those first 10 buckets came on a Looney backdoor play. Uh, Iggy draw, uh, went to the rim, was driving, got an and one high off the glass. Looney got uh, his shot uh, goaltended, I believe. It was by Serge Ibaka. And then Curry got a couple of free throws. And back to Toronto side here. Toronto was on fire to start in terms of shooting in the first so we talked about those three three pointers from Kyle Lowry but that also included two three pointers from Pascal Siakam both of which were above the break and with 6.57 to go in the first quarter the score is 17 to 12 for the Raptors so the Raptors 17 points mostly came off of taking shots From downtown, not a lot of drive, although some, but not a lot of driving to the rim. And the Warriors were the exact opposite. Not taking many threes, but getting the ball in the paint, trying to get to the bucket and generate their points around the rim and at the free throw line. So the Warriors' first three-pointer came about with uh, six minutes left, halfway through the first quarter. uh, Klay Thompson got an open one to go. And then in the second half of that first quarter, Klay Thompson came out absolutely firing. So in the second half of that first quarter, uh, Klay Thompson, off the dribble, step back two. Then he hits an isolation three. Then he had a little tip in to start the game, and he was just fantastic uh, in this game, and especially in this quarter. Actually, in in all of the quarters, he was fantastic, not just this quarter. Uh, And so the Warriors go on a little 7-0 run, gets them their first lead of the game with about two minutes to go in the quarter, and Curry takes his first shot. His first shot. He took the first shot with 1 minute and 20 seconds to go in the quarter, and he hit a 3. And then the first quarter score, 33-32 to 32 Toronto after 1. And the Raptors made seven threes in that first quarter. So the second quarter, the Warriors very sloppy with the ball. Uh, they commit their 8th turnover early in the quarter. <clears throat> and really, it was both teams just kind of exchanging buckets around the rim. Uh, the Raptors then hit back-to-back threes, and then with 8-12 to go in the second quarter, it's a 43-38 to 38 Raptor lead. And then right after that, Warriors go on an 8-0 run, and with 4:46 in the quarter, the Warriors take the lead, 46 to 43. And that 8-0 run all came around twos around the rim, uh, just driving to the rim, getting uh, stuff really close to the bucket. And the only one that was kind of not around the rim was one little Curry floater from the free throw line, where he kind of got Gasol on his back and just kind of threw it up there. And so to this point. The Warriors' defense tightened up significantly. Uh, You can see Toronto having to work a lot harder for their points, a lot harder for their buckets. After that, we got six straight points from Serge Ibaka. All three were dunks on little dump-down passes on the left side of the rim. I think there was one from Danny Green, then another one came from Kyle Lowry, and then a third from Pascal Siakam. And then... The Raptors foul Klay Thompson for the third time in the first half shooting a three-pointer. Thompson 10 of 10 from the line in this game, uh, and three of those trips to the line were off of three-point foul shots. All of them justified, in my opinion. Uh, All of them were legitimate fouls. And so in the second quarter, 27 to 25 Raptors second quarter score and a 60 to 57 halftime score with the Raptors leading. And the one notable stat line here, Kyle Lowry, 21 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds on 7-9 of shooting at halftime here. So third quarter comes around. Once again, Fred Van Vliet starting in place of Danny Green to start the second half. So in the third quarter, the start of the third quarter, Klay Thompson hits another one, one-on-one isolation bucket, gets him his 20th point of the game, and to this To this point, I'm really just, I'm not really surprised Clay's going off. I think we understood that, you know, it was either going to be Clay or Curry getting the ball. But I'm just surprised at this point. I just had like a thought in my head like, man, Clay Thompson is such an underrated player in terms of being able to put the ball on the floor and get a bucket. Like, you really think of this uh, Clay Thompson as this catch and shoot three point shooter, catch and shoot shooter. And that's just not the case. I think he's just been such improved be as a driver as a guy that gets it that can get to his spots in the mid-range and rise up over you with um with his release which really gets a lot of elevation on his release now uh he's obviously an incredible shooter but he's got a really improved handle and this game kind of proved it to me he had a lot of isolation buckets a lot of put it on the floor get to my spot and rise up over the defense type of stuff and that's just really good to see from clay Siakam then responds with a bucket of his own for his 15th point He really had it going in this game And then Kawhi gets it going to start the third After having a a very quiet first half He hits a three off of an offensive rebound And then after that gets to the rim with a strong take for an and one So a quick six points there for Kawhi Leonard to get it going Iguodala hit a corner three for his 15th point as he continued to be a solid three-point option throughout the game. He was making threes, getting to the free-throw line, getting uh, some little floaters and being in the mid-range. And then Clay in the quarter hits a ridiculous transition three over a Fred VanVleet contest. And then another Iguodala floater in the paint and now the Warriors have taken the lead 78-76 with 4.35 to go in the quarter. And then... This is just terrible. 222 left to go in the quarter. Clay gets down in transition, goes for the dunk. Danny Green tries to contest the dunk and Clay lands awkwardly on his knee and it's later confirmed that he tore his ACL. Just a devastating blow to the Warriors and to Clay Thompson, who's a free agent this offseason. And so he he comes down out of the tunnel after seemingly to be done, and he he shoots both free throws. He comes back out after, you know, walking down the tunnel, kind of being helped out, and comes back to shoot four, both free throws. He's hopping around a little bit, and he apparently even told Steve Kerr, he's like, I just need two minutes, and I'm ready to go. And what a competitor. Like, what a competitor. The guy is torn his ACL. He's ready to get back on defense and play the, the rest of the game on a torn ACL. And it's... It's fantastic. You just love to see this kind of stuff from Clay Thompson. Well you hate to see that he was injured, but you love to see the competitive spirit, the ability to get back on the court to know that he that his team needs him and he's willing to play through just about anything. Just fantastic stuff from Clay, and just such a sad moment to see, you know, game five, Kevin Durant with a torn Achilles, and then game six, Clay Thompson with a torn ACL. Like you just can't ask for anything worse to two incredible players, both of which are going into free agency. So just this awful to just awful to, to talk about, really. And, and we'll get into more about what the implications are for Golden State uh, going into this offseason and how uh, they, they've got some decisions to make regarding both of these guys. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But back to the game here. Um, so basically, to get Clay out of the game, uh, Golden State had to foul. So Golden State actually fouls and gives Toronto two free uh, free throws. And then the Raptors go back to the box and one after Clay goes out. So once again the Warriors having trouble scoring against a box and one. But Iguodala hits this three over Kyle Lowry at right at the end of the clock. Big shot in that moment, and there was 20 points for Iguodala after three. Uh, Andre Iguodala excellent in this game. 31 to 26 Golden State Warriors third quarter score, and 88 to 86 after three for Golden State. So here in the fourth quarter, Warriors start with Jerebko, Cousins, Cook, Livingston, and Draymond. This is a makeshift lineup for Golden State. I don't think they've played this lineup all year. And with no Curry, you expect the Raptors to be able to take advantage of this lineup and really go on a little run, and they were not able to take advantage of the curry minutes. So in about two minutes and change that Curry was off the floor, the Warriors were actually a plus one in those minutes. And... In this, in this fourth, it, Fred Van Vliet was an absolute killer. Now, he hit a three uh, right at the end of the clock, uh, creating a pick and roll on the left side of the wing. Uh, Cousins sinks a little bit too far down, and Fred Van Vliet hits a three on his head, and then he hits another end of the clock, dribbles one dribble step out three over Steph Curry with 7.06 to go, and you could just tell he's just he, he's knocking down everything. Um, Fred Van Vliet such a crucial part of this game. After that, Warriors get four straight points uh, and have a three-point lead with just over six minutes to go in the quarter. And something I, I failed to mention, I guess, to this point is Lowry's passing was just excellent in this game. He had 10 assists in the game and gets a nice dump-down pass to Siakam for a bucket. And then Fred Van Vliet gets fouled shooting a three-off an offensive rebound, and the Raptors get five straight points on those two possessions. So the dump-down pass to Siakam... For an easy bucket. And then three free throws. Fred Van Vliet hits all three. And now here we go. The Raptors down the stretch. Went to high pick and roll almost every single time. Every single time high pick and roll. Putting either Looney or Cousins in the action. And then Fred Van Vliet uh, hits another three. After a nice pound dribble move at the top of the three point line. Put him in pick and roll. And then uses this one uh, same foot. uh, You know kind of step back. Where he lost... Quinn, as Quinn thought he was going right downhill. Uh, Fred VanVleet stays at the three-point line. Nice nice feet replacement, nice form. Goes straight up into that three-pointer and knocks it down. And the Raptors lead 104-101 uh, to go with just under four to go. So now let's fast forward to the end of the game here. One-point game, 37.7 seconds to go. Raptors call timeout to run a play. So Siakam gets the ball. And then attacks Green on a euro step and scores and scores off uh, the right side of the floor. So it's one o one, sorry, one eleven to one o eight for the Raptors at this point. So Golden State comes back down the floor. Curry gets fouled and hits both free throws. And now we're at a one point game. One one eleven to one ten for the Raptors. <clears throat> so. Raptors inbound the ball. They get it to Kawhi. Kawhi gets it up over the half-court line to Danny Green. And then Danny Green tries to throw it to Siakam in the right corner. And it hits off Siakam and goes out of bounds with about 9 seconds to go. And this is now Warriors' ball. Warriors call timeout to draw up a play. So Warriors draw up a play. They inbound it to Draymond Green in the right corner. Draymond then gets it to Curry. Curry who gets a pretty good look at a three. I thought it was a decent look, but then misses the ball. The ball ricochets out to the rebound. Kawhi Leonard trying to drive over half court, and then Draymond jumps on it and falls on the ball with 0.9 seconds 0.9 seconds to go and calls a timeout. But the problem is, is that Golden State doesn't have any timeouts left. And people are saying, oh, this is the Chris Webber situation. But let's face it, if you dive on the ball and – You're at half-court with .9 to go. What are you going to do in that situation other than try to stop the clock? Like, you really don't have a choice. So people say it was the wrong decision for Draymond to call the timeout, but I would contend that you don't really have any other options with less than one second to go on the clock with you being at half-court on the floor with the ball in your hand. Like, what are you going to do in that situation? Absolutely nothing. So he calls a timeout. That's when you don't have any timeouts left. That's a technical foul. So... Uh, Kawhi Leonard shoots the free throw, hits the free throw to put it to 112-110. To and then the Raptors inbound the ball. The Warriors foul uh, just before the clock expires. And then uh, Kawhi hits both free throws. And the game is over. 28-22 fourth quarter score for the Raptors. And 114-110 to 110 is the final as the Raptors capture their first NBA title. What an exciting game here. Um, Like I said, unbelievable game to be, uh, you know, kind of in the heart of the city. Right after I went down, uh, we watched the trophy presentation. And we we went down uh, to, uh, to Front Street to kind of take in the madness. We saw people on lamp poles. I mean, I'm sure you've seen all the videos of, you know, how people celebrated. But I was right in the heart of that. Right in front of Scotiabank Arena, just outside of the uh, the main part of Jurassic Park, but right in front uh, there in downtown Toronto, and it was such a great scene. Everybody was happy for each other. Uh, just you could see the the joy of euphoria, knowing that the Raptors have captured you know their first championship in twenty five some odd years in major professional sports. I think the Toronto Blue Jays won back to back titles in ninety two ninety three. But uh, me and myself being 24 years old, I wasn't even alive for those titles. So I didn't even see what happened there. And to me, Toronto had gone you know my entire lifetime without winning any major sports championships. And just to see the euphoria in the streets was just absolutely unbelievable. People climbing on top of uh, lampposts and barriers and... It was just, you couldn't even move. Like, it was it was such a such an incredible scene. And just happy that I was, you know, downtown Toronto, right in the thick of things to be able to experience the celebration. That was, that was just absolutely excellent. <clears throat> so going over some of the stats here from the game, 42 points in the paint for each team, uh, Warriors and Raptors, 42 points in the paint each, 14 second chance points each, fast break points, 18 fast break points for Toronto, just 13 for Golden State. Uh, Toronto twelve turnovers. The Warriors seventeen. Uh, the Raptors scored thirteen points off of seventeen Warrior turnovers, and the Warriors scored seventeen points off the twelve Raptor turnovers. So the Toronto stat line here: uh, thirty-nine of eighty-two from the field for forty-seven point six percent. The Raptors were thirteen of thir- uh, sorry thirteen of thirty-three from three for thirty-nine percent. And I think it's important here, just to kind of read off some of the important stat lines here from some of the important players, uh, in my opinion. So, let's start off with Kyle Lowry, who was the best player in this game. Kyle Lowry, 40, just under 42 minutes, plays 41 minutes and 42 seconds. He's 9 of 16 from the field for 56%. 4 of 7 from the uh, from 3-point line. 4 of 6 from the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds. 10 assists, 3 steals, uh, he had 5 fouls in this game, 26 points, and, and a plus sixteen a team high plus 16 in this game as well. Uh, another unbelievable uh, player in this game, Pascal Siakam, 46 minutes Siakam played, he was 10 of 17 from the field for 50, 58%, 3 of 6 from 3. 3 of 4 from the free throw line. He had 10 rebounds himself, 3 assists. Uh, He had a steal, a block, and 26 points for a plus 2 in this game. Fred Van Vliet with an excellent 4th quarter. He played 33 minutes, uh, 6 of 14 from the field for just under 43%. He was 5 of 11 from 3. Five of five from the free throw line. He had uh, two, just two rebounds here uh, and a steal, but had 22 points. And but despite that, it was actually a minus 10 in, in the box plus minus. Uh, kind of an interesting uh, plus minus score. We know that it can, can be noise sometimes, as it was in my opinion in this game. And then finally, Kawhi Leonard, uh, 41 minutes for Kawhi, seven of 16 from the field for 40, just under 44%. 1 of 5 from 3, 7 of 8 from the free throw line. He had 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. And was uh, had 22 points, but was a minus 2 on the game. And so, on the Golden State side, 39 of 80 for 48.7%. Golden State actually shot pretty well in this game. Uh, 11 of 31 from 3. Despite that, they had, uh, like I mentioned... 17 total turnovers, 8 turnovers from Draymond Green, 21 of 30 from the free throw line. They missed 9 free throws for 70%. And we'll read off some of the stat lines of some of the bigger players here. So first of all, Clay Thompson, man, absolute warrior, no pun intended. 31 minutes in this game. Obviously, he didn't play the fourth due to the injury. He was 8 of 12 from the field for 66% shooting. 4 of 6 from 3, 10 of 10 from the free throw line. He had 5 rebounds, a couple of steals, and had 30 points in this game. A team high 30 points. He was a plus 5 as well. Steph Curry, just under 42 minutes in this game, 6 of 17 from the field for 35%. Just 3 of 11 from 3, clearly struggled from 3 in this game. 6 of 6 from the line, had 3 rebounds, 7 assists, uh, a couple steals and a block for 21 points. Uh, He was a minus 1 in the box score, plus minus. Draymond Green, 44 minutes for Draymond Green, 5 of 10 from the field, shooting 50%. 1 of 4 from 3. Uh, 0 of 2 from the line, but he had 19 rebounds, 13 assists, but 8 turnovers. Did have 3 steals, 2 blocks, and 11 points, and he was a, a 0 in the plus-minus category. And finally, Andre Iguodala, an excellent game from him. 32 minutes, 9 of 15 from the field for 60%. 3 of 6 from 3 for 50%. one Just 1 of 5 from the free throw line. Tough free throw shooting night for Iguodala. Uh, he had 2 rebounds, 2 assists. Uh, and a block for 22 points, but was a minus four in the box score. So, M- the MVP Finals MVP was Kawhi Leonard, and you know this series is great. There's this was one I'll remember, no doubt. Uh, it's, it is definitely a classic in my eyes. Was, um, the Raptors obviously taking down a dynasty, even if that dynasty wasn't as full health. The Raptors were an incredible team in this series. They did not luck into this championship. This was a well-earned, well-fought, hard championship for the Raptors to win, and any Raptor fan should be proud of this team as they they worked super hard. Credit all credit to Masai Ujiri, Masai and Nick Nurse, both of which Let's start with Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse comes in, you know, gets hired at at the time where he thought DeMar was and Kyle was still going to be the core of this team. Obviously, that wasn't the case after Messiah made the trade, but throughout the year, what I loved about Nick Nurse is he wasn't scared to try things, to say, hey, let, let's, let's try some of this stuff in the regular season, whether it be different lineups, different sets, different defensive principles. Uh, going to, you know, stuff where you say, why why would you do that at this point, when really it's kind of preparing you for the big picture. And I think that being able to not be scared to go to some of these things and understanding that we might need this in the future sort of mentality, I thought was just, you know, well-prepared coaching on his part. We know Nick, Nick Nurse has been all around the league, or not all around the league but all around the world in terms of being a head coach in a bunch of different countries in the G League etc. and for him to come into the NBA and do the job that he did it was it was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, you know, some of the adjustments he made were a little late. We we saw that, but just the fact that he was able to, you know, make them in in time whether it be in the, in the Philly series, when we thought, you know, in my opinion at least, that Ibaka, Van Vliet, and Norm, playing those guys together was just hurting you, especially against uh, some of those Philly bench units, which was surprising that they were, you know, outplaying the Raptors bench unit. And so he made the change going there. We saw that Siakam... Uh, was being guarded by Embiid, and he made and he made some changes to make Siakam as a screener at times, and really try to get him going a little bit. And then in the Buck series, uh, they they go down two zero, and they they they, sorry, Nick Nurse says, okay, I've had enough of that. We're putting Kawhi Leonard on Giannis Antetokounmpo and making him a full time. A uh, full-time defender of Giannis. Obviously, there was other matchups too, but Kawhi was the main defender of that, and they won four straight games. And little things like that. And even in this series, I mean, you saw it. They go to the box and one when Klay uh, Thompson goes out. That almost wins them game two. You see the different ways in which they decide to attack Cousins after they see he's a weakness on the floor. They go to high pick and roll. Uh, many, many times down the stretch after they see that it continues to work and the Warriors don't seem to be adjusting. The, Steve Carter did not really change up their game plan in terms of defending that uh, that pick and roll sequence. The Raptors continue to hit the roll man, continue to be able to create good looks out of that. And then we saw in this series as well, uh, Fred Van Vliet starts in the third quarter in place of Danny Green. I mean, like that's kind of unprecedented, and so you see that Nick Nurse not afraid to go to these lineup changes, not afraid to go to these personnel changes, and he really just was a big factor for the team this whole year, and you know just kind of deserves deserves a ton of credit in my opinion for his coaching job uh, with the Toronto Raptors, and now Masai Ujiri, man, th- this guy obviously in my opinion is executive of the year makes the trade for Kawhi Leonard who you know within an hour of the trade I realized was you know an excellent trade for the Toronto Raptors you know given we talked about this on uh, the live show on YouTube you can kind of go it's actually be a good idea to go back and look at that and see what we said about the trade how the contracts matched up now uh, me and Nick uh, at the time really thought that that was a good deal for Toronto and a solid deal for San Antonio as well and not just that, but you know, being able to give up on you know a few longtime Raptors, uh, one being Valanciunas, to go out and get a guy like Marcus Sewell, whose passing, whose defensive awareness, whose basketball IQ really changed this team throughout the year. Uh, obviously uh, we talked about a bunch of times how after Marcus got there, the Raptors shot a league high in three-point percentage, and that's uh, no coincidence, as Marcus Sewell's passing really assisted with that. And, I mean, we saw that th- that was a low-risk move. I mean, we saw that, you know, you gave up uh, DeLon Wright, who was going to be a restricted free agent this offseason anyway. He's going to be looking for money. Uh, C.J. Miles, who hadn't been playing well this year, was due, you know, $8.7 million on a player option. That, you knew he was going to pick that up, and that was going to be a bad contract next year. And finally, Jonas Valanciunas, who was, you know, really good this year, uh, he, and especially good in Memphis, but that $17.6 million player option was a lot to commit, uh, to to a player, and even though he opted out of that contract, you you could see already, um, that Memphis or some other team is going to have to pay him because he's looking for his money. So clearly Toronto was not ready to pony up the money for Valanchunas. and although Gasol has that twenty five million dollar player option, if he opts into that, you know at least you've got a solid core going forward now, even if Kawhi does choose to walk with Lowry, with Gasol, with a uh, growing Pascal Siakam and, you know, a team that at least is going to make the playoffs and be competitive with them. And if Kawhi chooses to stay on a, on a, whether it be a short-term or a long-term deal, you've got, you've, you're running it back with the same core and, you know, Boston's looking kind of shaky right now. We've yet to see what Philadelphia is going to do with their cap space. Milwaukee is still in the mix, but you, you've got Brogdon, you've got Middleton to have questions about. We'll see what they do with those guys. And, you know things are kind of uncertain with those teams, but if Kawhi Leonard comes back for the Toronto Raptors, you you can run this entire core back with the with the same guys with another year of experience and really have an opportunity to grow. Uh, another year, and I I mean that brings me to the other side of the bracket with Golden State. Now they've got some big decisions to make here. Uh, this is th- this is tough for Golden State. I mean this is. Th- th- you're now faced with decisions that you never thought you were going to have to make. You thought, "Okay, let's give Clay Thompson the max easily. Kevin Durant, we're going to give you the max easily if you want to stay." And I still think you should give those guys the max. But now, let's let's think of the situation here. Clay Thompson torn ACL. That's a that's an injury that keeps you out at least 8 to 10 months, maybe more. So, you don't expect Clay to be back next season at all. Kevin Durant torn Achilles. He's not going to be playing next season. So you can give those guys the max. I mean, let's. I mean, let's take a look here really quickly about what the the max contracts are for each guy. So Kevin Durant would get a max contract of five years with eight percent annual raises because he does hit that uh, designated veteran extension criteria, making All NBA in two of the last three years or the most recent year obviously made it this year. So he's eligible for a five-year deal worth just over $221 million. The first year being at $38 million in that 2019-2020 season. Uh, and with Klay Thompson, Klay Thompson did not hit that uh, designated veteran extension uh, contract. So he is eligible for a contract in the seven to nine year maximum which would be five years, $190 million. So, And his starting salary in year one is $32 million, uh, $32 million. So you got $38 million for Kevin Durant, $32 million for Clay Thompson, should you get, choose to give both of those guys the max. And neither of those guys are going to play next year. So I'll, I know they're mo- the Warriors are moving into the Chase Center. That's a, that's a cash cow. You're going to be able to extract a lot of money from that. But you're going to be way over the tax with two of your three main stars not playing. And that's going to be probably something in the range of $300 million in luxury tax payments. And you're not even sure if this is a championship team with just Steph Curry on the team. And you're going to have to find out what you're going to do with guys like Boogie Cousins. Kavon Looney looks like he's going to walk. And you've got a bunch of guys here on minimums. Are they want to, going to want to come back to the Warriors? for the minimum, uh, knowing that their championship uh, contention has taken a, ma- ma- a massive hit. These are just questions that you're going to have to have to answer if you're Joe Lacob and Bob Myers. And, I mean, I think I would probably still give Thompson and KD the max. But, again, like, you, you got to be ready to bite the bullet in that first year because, I mean, the championship window for Golden State for at least the first year, I believe is closed. I mean, I don't think you can win a chip with just Steph Curry and a bunch of guys on, you know, close to minimum deals playing on the roster, in other than, you know, Andre Iguodala, maybe. Uh, but th- that might be it. So, and Draymond Green, obviously. But Dray- again, Draymond Green next offseason is looking for a big-time payday as well. So your your luxury tax bill is going to hit the roof now uh, very, very quickly and i think the i think the warriors are willing to pay it but i mean when you got to submit that 300 million dollars to the league office in luxury tax payments when two of your three star player or two two of your four best players i want to include draymond in that because draymond was excellent this playoffs he was unbelievable proving he is definitely a star player when two of your four star players are gone and you have to submit that much money to the league office that's a tough pill to swallow so We will see how that plays out for Golden State this offseason, and it should be an exciting offseason in my opinion. And just really quickly here before we wrap this up, this throws a wrench into the rest of the free agency stuff. We thought the Knicks and the Nets were going to go after Kevin Durant, and now I'm not sure if the Knicks or the Nets want to give KD a max contract. And try to pair him up, you know, with Kyrie Irving or another star or whatever it may be. Does that second star playing with Kevin Durant want to, you know, waste a, we- a year of his prime to wait for KD to get back from an Achilles tear, and just to see that, you know, maybe KD, not even the same player when he gets back from those Achilles tears. There's not many players that tear their Achilles and come back just as good as they are before the injury. So you have to wonder if that second star is willing to bite that bullet for year one. Uh, especially when you dedicate that much money to a player, you know, of Kevin Durant's ilk, you're going to have to, you know, it's going to be tough for you to build around uh, the players uh, on your roster because you're dedicating so much money to one guy who's not going to play this year and the rest of your roster flexibility kind of takes a hit financially. So does that come into play? Now, is there a second player or a player that wouldn't get as much money as he should have on the roster, or sorry, in free agency that might get it now. Is Does Chris Middleton become that guy? Does Chris Middleton become a guy that now maybe gets uh, a big-time max deal? Maybe is it Tobias Harris after you know musical chairs with these free agents comes? There's a lot more teams with cap space than there are max free agents, and when the music stops and you have to tell your owner as a GM, hey, we've been keeping this cap space open because we think we're going to get one of these big-time star players – and the star players are all signing with teams and you have max cap space and no player to sign. How are you going to go out and tell your owner, Hey, so we're just going to not use the space the, your owner is going to put some pressure on you and say, Hey, we need to sign somebody. We need we need to use this space and get a big time player in here to, you know, facilitate some winning, especially with the Warriors looking fragile. So there's just, uh, there's just so many different ways that you can take this situation. And, well we'll just have to see. We'll just we'll just have to see. Oh ownership and you know front offices are gonna really prove their worth this offseason by you know having made their plans for a long time for this 2019 cap space for uh, these players to become available. And now with two of those four players um, you know getting injured and really not being not being an option for next year, we're gonna see how well some of these front offices can pivot and really either use their cap space to take on bad money and get some more future assets or be able to you know convince the players that are actually worth a max contract to come on their team and and play for them going forward so we, we will see how this works for front offices but it's going to be a fascinating fascinating off season, uh for a bunch of these teams and we'll see we'll definitely see how it goes so thanks for listening everybody it's been a great 2018-2019 nba season the off-season now has officially begun. Uh, this podcast will be posted June 15th, and then the draft is June 20th. And then Summer League, I believe, is early July. And Free Agency is July 1st. So, uh, actually, technically June 30th. So, the content is not definitely not going to stop here. Uh, we're going to take some breaks, you know, kind of in between. Make sure we can kind of cover everything on each different podcast. And we'll keep going from here. I mean, like I said, off season hasn't stopped yet. We'll we'll do our best to cover every signing. We we'll probably won't get to all of them, but we'll do our best to cover every signing, every trade, everything we can going forward. There's a lot that's gonna happen this off season, and we'll just kind of we'll 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 just see how it works. We'll see how it works, and uh, you should be looking out for a lot of that good stuff, as it should be a fun one. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I'll have the Game 6 Twitter thread posted uh, soon time, whether it be either today, tomorrow, or in the near future. I'll have no problem re-watching this game as it was quite a fun one to watch. So look out for the Game 6 Twitter thread. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining along in a great 2018-2019 season. And we'll see you for the 2019-2020 offseason, and it should be a good one. Till then.